and welcome to the Austin Art Talk podcast. My name is Scott David Gordon, your host. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, and I do hope you're enjoying the interviews I've been sharing. The focus of this podcast is on the interesting and creative people of Austin, Texas. As always, my intention is to have meaningful and in-depth conversations that I hope will be of value to you, the listener. They certainly are to me. I really love doing these interviews, and hopefully we can all figure out together how to better connect and support our local art communities and create opportunities and success for ourselves through conversations like these. You might have noticed, unlike many other podcasts, this one has no sponsors. For me, it's a passion project that I create and produce 100% on my own every week please consider helping to support me and my continued efforts by becoming a patron of mine. Go to austinarttalk.com and click on the support tab to learn more. And if you really love an episode and have a feeling it might benefit someone else, please share it with them. It might be exactly what they need to hear. Thanks to those who follow and interact with me on Instagram, at austinarttalk. That is by far my favorite social media platform. I post daily about local art events and try to support and share the work of previous podcast guests, along with other interesting people, art, and podcasts that I find which you might enjoy. On to the rest of the show. Sean Camp has pushed himself for decades to use painting, sound, video, and his teaching skills to explore some consistent themes and go deeper than just the surface. His work has transitioned over the years from thick landscapes of impasto to subtle and ethereal geometric planes, sometimes juxtaposed and merged with backlit atmospheric murals. The context and presentation of his work is often crucial to the experience and understanding of it. Lights cycle on and off like day and night to reveal the dichotomy of his work, which can include aspects of video and sound to create an immersive curated reality. I've known Sean for years and he is the nicest guy and so very humble. His job as a teacher thankfully allows for untethered freedom in this studio where he experiments and crafts work that is gorgeous beyond belief. Check out his art for yourself and if you can see it in person, so much the better. Here is Sean. Sean, thanks for being on my show. Thank you very much for having me. Maybe we could start, as I normally do, for people that might not be familiar with you, maybe just introduce yourself and the type of work that you do. Okay, yeah. So I am an artist living in Austin. Yeah. I make a lot of paintings. I think if, <laughs> if there was one, if there's one, one single thing, I would identify myself as a painter, maybe, but uh, definitely also musician and do video stuff and um, some somewhat kind of sculptural things from time to time. Mm-hmm. But I think it's all like, you know, all those things kind of come from the same, same general place. And I also teach at Texas State University and Austin Community College. And yeah, been living in Austin since 1999. And you have wife and two kids. Mm-hmm. Yep. What is teaching like? What kind of things do you teach? I teach mostly painting um, and occasionally drawing and design. And teaching's been a really significant influence on some of the directions my work has gone in and just the the capacity for doing as many things as a, as a visual artist. Like it's kind of, it's not like it doesn't, t- it takes a lot of time for sure, but compared to like a nine to five clock in clock out kind of job, teaching as a, as a, you know, legitimate day job sort of thing is a, it's not like going to be like a 40 hour week, <laughs> although, although there's like the prep time and the grading and things like that. But as, as you teach the classes more and more, you, you tweak them every semester, but like it, that, that amount of time gets less and less all, you know, every semester. And then you're also kind of immersing yourself in all of these, um, you know, young artists like 
working and exploring the world, exploring themselves, yeah. exploring what their work is. And that's like incredibly inspiring. And, um, and so it's enriching in that, in that sense as well. So it's, so it's like this, like kind of base income health insurance. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, then also like I get a lot out of it mm-hmm. in other ways as well. And so it's been a great, a great way to um, to make it possible to be in my studio working a lot. Is it one of those things where you become better at something in the process of figuring out how to teach someone else to do it? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like I know that sounds like kind of yeah, but no, for sure. In my experience, it causes me to like kind of revisit assumptions that I've had or made about different kinds of processes, different kinds of content, just different approaches to making creating. And how long have you been teaching? Two thousand, two thousand one. Yeah. Maybe um, I taught in grad school, you know, just as a graduate assistant. But um, 2001 is when I started, like, kind of teaching in earnest. And it was, I think, in 2011 when a couple friends convinced me to, you know, look into Texas State. Hmm. I, w- I was actually, at the time, I was really happy. I was only teaching like um, one or two classes at ACC. I kind of pared it down to just that, and it was it was it was really nice having like lots of studio time, you know. But in 2010, we had our first son, and and um, it was like the thought of something that potentially be a little more stable, or at least putting my eggs in a little bit more than one just one basket was yeah. like a, a good thought. And and so it's like, yeah, we'll, we'll give it a try. And it's and it's been great. I love the faculty there, and the students are incredible. There's there's really, I don't know, like like it just feels like they don't take things for granted so much they just like mm. really dig in and like just this really like solid like work ethic it's is you know like i said earlier incredibly inspiring you know i think in an ideal world i would teach a little less just but i really love teaching i, I say this all the time and i don't know if it's and, and i believe that it's true like if i had all the money in the world i would still want to teach like like maybe like one class a semester mm-hmm. or something just because i just love the experience and what it gives me Sounds like you might be a good person to dispel some ideas people have about young people, young artists, these mm. different generations. I don't know. You know, there's a lot of negativity around the millennials or this or that. It sounds like you have a pretty high opinion of these uh, people that are probably in their early 20s, right? <laughs> yeah, though it's a pretty small cross-section, you know, it's a pretty small sample size. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm just I don't wondering know, like, how they do inspire you or like if you have any specific yeah. stories or moments where yeah. you're just like, wow. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder, like, I'm not sure what the cutoff date for millennials is. <laughs> yeah. Like, the millennials <laughs> might already be gone. Yeah, like, they're, yeah, they're like middle-aged now or something. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know, yeah. Um, there's there's a real difference, I think, from when I started teaching regularly in, like, 2001 yeah, to now. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So, yeah. I, th- I think you can really sense a difference and, um, you know, consider what, what it would have been like to, like, go through high school with Facebook. Like, I can't even imagine. I can't either. No. And... Uh, you know, and, that, and just that whole like kind of radically different experience young people have now compared to like even even 15 years ago. I don't know. It's it's weird. Like, and it sounds like a little hyperbolic, but it just it feels like there's a lot of things, not just like societal things, but just like, I don't know, like kind of culture as a whole that it maybe feels like you know just in the last like 10 years the pace of change, the amount of information that we're like bombarded with with all the time. And the amount, you know, I guess like the lack of like a private world. I don't know. There's just a lot of different ways that people, I think, relate to to other people. That I'm not like I'm not even sure how old you are, but like I'm that 44. I 44. Okay, 47. Um, I don't know that I can really, you know, really fully understand mm-hmm. or comprehend. You know, 
just because that's like a qualitatively different experience. And I think like every, every generation is like that, right? And, and I wonder if we get this kind of false sense that it's like more now than it was before. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I have a feeling like, you know, every generation it's like, oh, well, now it's totally different than what, it, you know, <laughs> this change is like, you know, in, but, but the exponential way that things are like kind of, yeah, you know, whether it's like biotechnology, whether it's like things like Facebook, information technology, like there are so many ways that it's hard to not imagine it being like kind of existentially different mm-hmm. now and in, and in the near future compared to like, you know, thousands and thousands of years in the past. Yeah. I, don't know. I just don't know if that's an illusion. Maybe that's like the same illusion that every, every generation yeah, feels. It probably you know? is. Yeah. I'm just wondering how it's going to affect art in the future. I mean, do you see any glimpse in these young artists of like what art could be in the future, having grown up in these under these kinds of conditions at all? I mean, do you see any difference, or is it just they kind of go with whatever they're taught, or are they breaking out and doing crazy things? There is there is a really nice kind of individuality that I think is kind of refreshing in the context of I don't know like. There's an homogenization that happens as as I think information becomes so democratized mm-hmm. that it, it kind of evens everything out to where everything kind of feels like it's just one big hum. Yeah. And so it's harder to sift through all the information to to figure out like what's like the more like the more truthful, the more interesting, the more valuable. And I think that creates a um like a, a sameness. And I don't know, one of the really inspiring things to me about teaching is like, like all the students I have at, at ACC at Texas State, it's, it's really interesting to see that individualness poke through that veil of like, yeah. everything. <laughs> I don't know. Well, maybe we should uh, go back in time to school for you and just maybe give me an idea of like, I have no idea how long you've been doing art or when you knew mm. you were an artist. I mean, mm-hmm. what's, what's that story? Like? Okay. Well, let's see. So I, um, grew up in Northern Idaho. Dad worked in a sawmill and, um, didn't know, I always did art, but I didn't know that that would, could be something you'd do like something other than like a, a weird hobby or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a little suspect if, yeah. if you're like an artist, but, okay. um, and, and, always did it but didn't know that that would be a thing and and so when i got to college i think i started like an engineering major maybe and that lasted through one calculus class okay it goes so well (laughs) Uh (laughs) and then then i think philosophy then i was like okay i'm gonna be a philosophy major and for several years i think that was like you know what i was doing in school and then i think the the um I don't know, the writing just got a little a little heavy, so it's like, okay, well, I'm going to be a psychology major. But but all this time, of course, I was taking art classes. Okay. Like, it was never a semester where I wasn't, like, taking it. And eventually, I just, I just said, well, gosh, you know, I got all these art credits. I, maybe I should major in art. I ended up, like, doing a double double major. But um, I think that's one really big difference was between, like, kids going to school now and back when I was in school was that, I don't know how much this is regional or if this was the same experience for everyone. Like, I'm curious about your experience, but, like, if you paid a full-time tuition, 12 credits and over was considered full-time. And 12 credits and under, you paid by the credit. So, it was like, shit, like, I'll, I'll take, like, 18, 19, 20 credits every semester because, like, why not? Yeah, right. And, and I didn't really, like, I was never really all that uptight about my grade point like I did all right like I wasn't like you know 
I think, uh, you know, in the threes, let's yeah. just say, but like, um, it was more important to me, the experience I got out of it. And so I wanted to take all these different classes and all these different things mm-hmm. and, you know, really explore, that's what it should you be, know, I that's think. what it should be. I think I, I totally <laughs> think that. And like, like now, like students are like, they've got like this, this timer that goes off. They got bing, bing, bing. It's like, they got to finish like as soon as they possibly can. There's like all these things built into the system to force them to streamline and try to like finish with as few credits as you need to be done. Really? It costs the state less. It costs, you know, it's all the different like weird funding carrots and sticks that society, you know, it it shows like kind of like where it stands in the grand scheme of things, maybe in society. But I think it's way harder for students today. And you can't, like, are you supposed to, like, when you're 18 years old, are you supposed to go, okay, this is what I want to do with my life? That's, like, That's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, how do you know, you know, <laughs> anything when you're 18? For for me, it was, like, it feels like this, like, you know, like, this nostalgic, like, lost wonderland. Like, I could go to college and I can, like, explore anything I wanted oh, to. Man. Yeah, it's hard not to romanticize that. And hence, I never left college. <laughs> <laughs> what was your yeah. art like back then? Oh, I mean, what were you gosh. Doing? Yeah. So at the time, my work was vaguely figure. It was figurative. And it was like, really, I was like, really into like the surrealist, not like the Salvador Dali kind of thing. But like, I I was convinced, I mean, not not in a literal sense, but like my artistic self was was convinced that there was like some, this ghost of some spirit that like kind of entered my body. And then every time I was painting, it was like, I was like a medium Oh, wow. For this. And so, like, it was a way of, like, kind of relinquishing deliberate control. And it was also a way, I think, of allowing things to happen on the canvas that I was maybe ashamed of or, like, kind of felt like was, mm. like, too vulnerable or too, like, kind of whatever. I could let that happen and I can go, yeah, but that was, like, that was this other thing. This wasn't, like, me yeah. doing it. So it was, like, kind of a way of, like, allowing for that. I don't, I don't know. And I was, I was yeah, I was, so I was really into that, this idea of, like, automatic painting and, like, kind of dream imagery and they always came out like it was always like these these different figures like interacting in different ways, these swirling colors and like looking back on it, there are like some like really cringe worthy moments. Like a good <laughs> friend of mine who lives across the street has this old painting I did and it's like, Oh my gosh. So yeah, like, oh they don't they don't have it hanging up. But, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. But uh but um Well you gotta start somewhere, right? Yeah, now. yeah. No, and I and I think like it's it's not like I like on a certain level I really like those paintings, but it's like I don't know, it's I don't know. Any anyway, so I somehow got into into VCU for grad school and uh got there and kind of that like stereotypical grad school experience. That whole first semester was just like a beat down disaster i only wasn't consciously like the faculty try it, it wasn't so much like like that kind of thing it was more like mm. i like left my girlfriend at the time left my band i was in left left everything i knew and moved clear across the country to this place that was like about as foreign as it could could be to study art right yeah yeah at yeah at this point you just yeah. focused in on art yep yep and um and did your family think you were crazy or? No, you know, actually, like, I don't think they could, like, f- really fully relate to what I was doing, but they were always, like, really supportive. Oh, good. Yeah. 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 And, and and I think, yeah, like, my dad, like, you know, summer worker, you know, like, I, I think that um, as I got older, we got closer and closer, even though we were, like, totally different people. Mm-hmm. And, and and my mom, too. Although I think I think my, my mom, I think she was a little more able to, like, understand why I would want to do this stuff, yeah. you know. I think I could connect with her a little bit more on that level. 
but yeah, but they were, they were always really supportive and, um, but you had a pretty hard first year. Yeah. Yeah. No, the first, the first semester was like, yeah, nightmare. It was, uh, just like, what am I doing? Like, ah, oh. it wasn't even as much questioning the decision to be there at all. It was more like, just like a more fundamental question. Like, you know, what am I, what am I doing? Was that like and, their goal, just to vet people? No, no, or, no. I don't. I don't. I don't think. I don't think that was a conscious thing. Was so I, I think. I think that is like a like a stereotypical experience with graduate school. But no, it wasn't like they weren't like completely supportive and everything else. But it, I don't know. Just was where I was at, and so I was like flying back after that first semester, you know, for the winter winter break, and just like staring out the window of the plane, just like kind of despair, kind of feeling mm. like. Uh, and then it was like kind of like as I was looking out the window, I just kind of had this feeling like, what if the window just opened up and I was just like falling to the earth there and there was this also this like feeling of like maybe floating or flying or maybe maybe there's a way that in this like turmoil that there was like some kind of solace that like kind of was like kind of buried beneath the layers of these like individual moment by moment thoughts and yeah. sounds like your work now kind of what yeah. you're describing well yeah so, so that's window. yeah so so that's 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 kind of how um how that transformation of my work like kind of originated was I kind of instead of doing these like super spontaneous paintings that evolved into these like kind of figurative kind of interactions or whatever like I started thinking about what the landscape was and what the landscape kind of meant in terms of like these natural forms and in terms of the way that humanity carves into it and divides mm-hmm. sections it off and divides yeah. it up and tries to kind of control it you know or like kind of master yeah. master it through through order and reason and logic and and then and then there's like the wilderness and like it's interesting when they interact it's interesting like these different states of how much wilderness it can exist like in a city and then how much can you find like little evidence of human artifacts in the in the in the wild i don't know like and then so, you have the whole atmosphere floating above all that kind of doing its own thing oh uh, yeah yeah for sure like doing sure. whatever it wants uh. <laughs> yeah in a, in a sense yeah like kind of kind of untethered or unmoored yeah so so I started, my work started like kind of exploring those aspects of the landscape. I think in particular, you know, like talking about being like philosophy major or whatever, I was really interested in, in the way that we um, perceive our existence as, as a balancing of two opposites, like it's, it's good or it's bad. I'm feeling hot or I'm feeling cold or I'm feeling like, like all of these different, um, you know, kind of dualities that make up the experience we have in the world. Mm-hmm. I started like kind of projecting that up on the landscape and thinking about, the way that these interactions between the control of like roads and borders and fences and irrigation, you know, irrigated like farmland versus like not like where those things butt up against one another. It kind of is also like kind of reminiscent of the way that people tend to search for patterns so kind of just like hardwired into us to like yeah. kind of find a sense of order that, that kind of like a big hunk of clay kind of carve order into the experience of the world which you know is, is arguably like there's a certain amount of disorder yeah. and, and and but we we're compelled to try to find meaning in that and to try to carve out rationality or i don't i don't know like yeah. or assist just a system that you can kind of use as a as something to, to go by, to live by, like, you know, a predictable thing that you can base your decisions on. Mm-hmm. When you were saying carving out, it almost made me think of creating a painting. Like you're, a painting is something you're carving out of reality mm-hmm. and it has rules and it communicates something to people about mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
culture. So what maybe overall kind of what was your big takeaway from graduate school or kind of what was that experience? <laughs> well, so when I got, when I got back, you know, the, the, the second part of that first semester, like I started kind of like exploring that idea and that started working its way into like more distilled open areas. Like it was real literal at first. I'd even have little cars driving on these roads oh, wow. and like okay. little buildings and like you'd be seeing through these clouds and you see, you know, working for photographs I just just took from the plane, you know, kind of boring photographs really when you, <laughs> when you think about it. And then I rolled like kind of through the rest of grad school, like kind of pushing, you know, or, you know, exploring that idea and like kind of paring it down more and more to like the essential elements of what, of what I was really trying to get after. And, and I think I came out of graduate school with like a hell of a lot of confidence. Mm. Like I just really felt like, okay, like I can make, make work and it was a it was a great experience for me it's it's hard to um you know again with like kind of the changing dynamics of the of the world it's hard to know what to advise students about about that it's a lot of money and it's a lot of like commitment and i think you know at the same time though if like if you want to be an artist like like having that i think that could be a really valuable experience where like everything is focused on your work and um having that Along with all the other things that go with it, you know, like like the faculty and the you know the connections that you can make or whatever. I mean, there's other things too, but the most important thing is is having a period of time where you're like so much focused on the work that you're doing, and that's something that it's hard to have that if there's not like a really compelling yeah, framework framework for it. Yeah. Unless you're doing a residency or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Did you have any memorable mentors or any any lessons, specific lessons that you kind of still think about that you got from anyone? Oh, man. Interesting question. I just know sometimes, I mean, like I'm sure you are, teachers can be incredibly influential in people's lives and life-changing, really, yeah. and can help direct them. And Yeah, I think it's, it's in, I did have it. There was a um, someone on the faculty there that, um, you know, well, there were quite a few people that I, that I think I got a lot out of working with but there's one one person in particular that when i first got there was like oh man like everyone that i talked to said oh you got to work you got to work with this guy like like yeah, i think you guys would be like it would be like really good for you like you know the impression that like we're like similar you know on the same like kind of page about stuff or whatever and i don't know if, if that maybe that was the case but like when when like he was on my committee from the very beginning like it was just like <laughs> like just it was like awful i mean but it, but but not awful in a like so I say awful, but I mean more like, um, like it was really, it's really contentious yeah. from the very beginning. And I think we got in like these arguments and we got like, you know, but it's, but it's funny, like after it was all said and done, like years later, that's like one of the most influential teachers mm. that I had. I don't know. There's just certain things I find myself like as a teacher saying words that I think probably came out of his mouth, you know, <laughs> and yeah, it's it's interesting how experiences and influences that you have aren't always like, you know, at the time that they're happening, you don't always know that they're happening. And yeah. then it's only later on that you discover like, wow, this is like became really important to me. This means a lot to me, you know. Yeah, it's no, not so obvious that it will yeah. end up being a positive. Thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So was he just like pushing your boundaries or like, I mean, maybe that was the... Yeah, probably. Probably that was a big part of it. And and again, like, you know, going back to like, and I was, I was, I was still young. I was like, you know, my early twenties and like, that's pretty young too. Like, you yeah. know, yeah. and um, you don't always like recognize that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So what happened after graduate school? <sighs> okay. So I went to, um, I actually first went back to, to Idaho just, just for like a few months 
my grandmother was really sick and I was like staying in her house and, and, uh, had a little studio in her garage. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, um, you know, that, that was, that was pretty good, but decided to go to Tokyo and oh. was like, you know, teaching English there. It was like kind of more of a like, okay, like I finished school. Like, what am I going to do now? Like, and just like kind of really not certain what I wanted, what I really wanted to do. And, um, and that was an incredible experience. The whole, the whole time I was there, like the buddies I had in college that I was in bands with, they had moved to Austin when I went to Richmond and we'd always been in touch and always stayed like good friends. And, um, they just kept, kept convincing me, Oh, you got to come to Austin. You got to come to Austin. And so finally, after being in Tokyo for a while, my, my girlfriend at the time was like, like, oh, I want to, I want to get out of here. Let's go somewhere else. It's like, oh, I, I liked it there actually. Yeah. I could have stayed there a lot longer, but, um, it's like, well, we can go to Austin, you know, be in the band again. It'll be like fun. It's like, so came here and that was like 99 and, um, just figured I'd stick around a couple of years and move on to the next place. And, but yeah, but really, really loved it here almost from the beginning. And, and I think that, uh, I don't know, like Austin, even, even, even now I know that it's like, it's hard, like a lot of things going on a lot of changes happening, but even now, I don't know. I just, I really like it here. And I think it's an easy place to live, you know, relative to like some other places that are, that would be interesting places to live. It seems like it's, it's still an easy place to live and there's still so many like friendly people and like, but anyway, I just, I just like stuck around and then met my wife and had a family and, 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 um, you know, just trying to be an artist here and like get familiar with the art community and, and, um, yeah. And what part does music play in your life? I mean, how, when did, has that always been there too? Yeah, that's, Same that's always been there probably, you know, maybe not like literally as long as art, you know, I think I was like 14 when I got my first guitar or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's always, that's always, you know, that was the thing that brought me here. That band lasted for a little while after I got here few years and then there was another band i was in with a friend of mine that lasted a little bit longer and um i don't play out much anymore and there's not like a real actual literal band that i'm actively in but i'm always writing music and um, oh really oh. yeah and, the, and the, the friend i was just talking about i was in a band with previously he's a actually a good friend of mine for like a lot i have a lot of idaho friends that, that all kind of came to austin oh, interesting so it's like you know the idaho crew and but he has a recording studio and we mess around in there a lot and record a lot of stuff and a lot of the a lot of the sound stuff from the equivocation show was um you know all mixed and stuff at the at his place and so i do a lot of like songwriting still and 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 sound composing i don't know if mm-hmm. like a lot of the sound pieces that that I consider like part of my art realm are um, not quite so songy and more like kind of atmospheric. Yeah. Like the intent is to create an environment to view the paintings and to like something that creates that whole, that whole experience. Like, yeah. So like it's kind of about context, right? You know, with the light and with the sound, you, you create a certain context that has a big effect on what the piece means and what the, the that literal subjective experience that person has with it mm-hmm. i think like any artist like you're trying to um like kind of manipulate i don't know it sounds like kind of insidious to say it like this <laughs> but but like any artist you're trying to manipulate someone's subjective experience of the world i think that that sound is such a thing that is so like keyed into like these feelings of nostalgia and these feelings of like like there's so many just like it's, i guess like smell and like is, is like this too although i haven't experimented with yeah. smell <laughs> smell art smell art yeah smellable <laughs> sculpture um yeah but um but I, I just like i like the kind of connections that, that sound can create i think that um that's been something like certainly 
the the first uh, show of backlit paintings I did at Colab in 2012, I think. They were there were sound pieces as well in that space, and so I and pieces I've done at, at Shoal Creek over the years, like just individual artworks, have sometimes come with headphones that you put mm-hmm. on, and there'd be this like, kind of sound work that is meant to be a context that you see the paintings in. And I think that um, yeah, it's all about like kind of creating that environment and creating that place that someone experiences the work from. I yeah. think it's like part and parcel with the whole experience of seeing the art. So is there any way that you could kind of describe or kind of see the course of your work over the last 20 years or so that you've been in Austin to where you are now? Or how would you describe maybe kind of the different stages that you've gone through over the last couple decades? Have they been vastly different or has there been kind of like a through line through everything? And I know you used to do a lot more impasto. Is that how you say that? Impasto work? Impasto. Impasto. And now it seems like the painting technique itself is almost secondary. It's like you're trying to erase the fact that it was painted, you know? I I think that ties in with this this notion of like one thing or the other, that idea of the world being broken into these two things, or Mm -hmm. or, or that as being our, our way that we often relate or try to make sense of the world is like seeing these two extremes. And so... I've always been really, especially since since graduate school, like really into the surface of a painting, and or just this idea, just the concept of surface itself, regardless of what it is. You know, it's it's kind of interesting that like 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 texture is this thing that um, really isn't a visual thing at all. It only becomes a visual thing because of our experience in the world, where we touch things and then we connect that to our memory, and then. So you can then you can see something, you can kind of predict what it might feel like, and that becomes part of your visual experience. It's yeah, so yeah, weird that right. it's like, but it's like an analogy. It's not like the real thing. But surface has been like really interesting to me as a, as a, as something to explore. And, and I think it was after I got to Austin, I started like really working with a really thick paint, and then just started like using that the paint itself. And I think think like that video you were referring to earlier mm-hmm. was like, especially at that time, it was like all about like this kind of romanticizing the mark and like the like this one perfect and deliberate and literal like motion that leaves behind this this act you know like like evidence of this action and it yeah. and it takes the form of this physical entity of the of this mark mm-hmm. and i just got really interested in that as like this visceral you know almost like kind of wallowy kind of self-indulgent when you, you mm. think about it but like kind of this wallowy like like mark and mark and uh i think at the same time, that kind of dovetails with this this notion of the landscape and and this this the physicality of, of earth and the phys, you know physicality of the paint and I just, the paint was the substance that that I was manipulating and um and, and I'm still really interested in that and I, th- I think it was like gosh like so in 2010 my first son was born and at the same time my mom was finally like kind of succumbing to this like really long illness. Um, mm. And uh, I started like kind of thinking, you know, again with this like kind of these opposites or these those kind of polarities, like this like kind of birth and death. And it felt like it was such a, like a, a, a immediate connection with like kind of both of these extremes, you know, mm. that, f- that feel like extremes. Like we think of those as extremes, certainly. And and um, that got me, um, you know, this, this idea of cycles, and and that led to these backlit pieces that I started doing that involved like these two like very distinct states of existence like when the when the room is totally dark it's like this like transparent and ethereal the materiality of the paint kind of goes away and it becomes like more like kind of like just just light and then as the lights cycle back on and it starts to start to become apparent and then like this you know black 
transparent space where it's just pure color. So there's like this, this kind of red tinge to it with the halogen lights just like barely on. And then the whiteness of that surface gets more and more prominent and the texture and the thickness of the paint becomes more and more prominent and it becomes this, um, you know, literal, you know, physical landscape, mm-hmm. like very, you know, just you know, earthy and massive and like this physical presence versus yeah. the ethereal presence of the work in the light. But anyway, like it, it was like this day night thing, this landscape and sky thing. And like this, like all these different, like kind of cyclical experiences that we have in our life between these two kind of polar opposite, like kind of things. But, um, but when I was working on those, I started like doing all these glazing layers hmm. underneath the thick oil paint. And it, and it was like kind of similar to what I was doing in college. I was like, man, this, there's just something really satisfying, kind of fun about building up these transparent layers of paint and like kind of seeing what happens and like, like very indirect way for color and imagery to kind of form like layer after layer. Something kind of liberating about it, which which is ironic, I think, because like what could be more liberating than just like oh, this one perfect stroke, yeah. you know? <laughs> but but I think it was liberating in that sense of like kind of being like in a way like the opposite thing of what I was doing, I guess. Mm. And since that's what my work was all about, like, so I I was like I'm, I'm just I'm just gonna make some paintings where I'm just like doing these like super thin glaze layers and see what happens. And it, and it was very much like minus the figurative stuff although arguably you could maybe you could find figurative stuff in the work i'm doing yeah. now but but um it's this uh process of like like stroke 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 like you know and then you know let it sit and then what's going to happen in the next one and the next one and like the everything like kind of slowly slowly building up and mm-hmm. so then that became something that almost almost like kind of fetishized like this like slowness and the pieces started like getting more and more super subtle layers where where like from one there to the next you can almost like tell almost like no difference at all mm. and just like slowly and slowly and slowly and then then sand it down to kind of smooth it out then do another layer and then another layer then sand it again and like kind of just like the slowly building up of the complexity and the really subtle variations of what the color is doing and i don't know i just got really that became really interesting to me as well as the as the like thick, heavy impasto painted surfaces, and I, I don't know, like I, I don't know, I think it's just like kind of part of what my work has always been about is like exploring these different things, and that's just like one of like an infinite number of ways that you could think of as being like opposite things. But um, I think mm-hmm. they're they're like there's also this notion of like these thick physical works kind of being more like like looking straight down from above at the at the, the earth and then like the more glazed works like looking up at the sky with you know this immaterial kind of ethereal mm-hmm. sense i don't know isn't there also something with the pieces that can be lit from behind there's like the surface on the front and the surface on the back that you're working on isn't that also kind of like a not a dichotomy but a well, kind of like a two ends of i mean because it's yeah. like you see one side more when it's lit yeah from behind and you yeah. see one side more when it's when the lit light from, from the, the front, front evens it out it, yeah so those are like uh, abso- two absolutely worlds. absolutely absolutely yeah that was that was the big impetus i think for for working that way is this you know where painting uh, where a single object can be like these very extremely different things depending on the context and um you know it's it's funny because like when the lights are like bright in the in the space in the gallery a whole bunch of what that painting is is like completely obscured like it's Mm. like just not even present at all you know it's like barely visible or not or not there and then when the lights 
lights cycle off, it's it's the same thing. There's like a whole bunch of that pain that's not there at all. But all those things that were hidden before are now are now visible. And but but I kind of I just I like that back and forth, and I like that that feeling that that sense of transformation and that the where, cycle. Where it, yeah. Yeah, and, and like the painting itself being the static object, but it, it exists as a as a time based thing. Yeah, it's a, it's so interesting how you think about light. When I think about a lot of artists that are doing two dimensional work or sculpture, they might be considering light in some way. But normally, uh, I mean, generally, I would say they're probably just creating some kind of an image on paper or on a canvas. They're not factoring in the light interacting with the piece that they're creating in a way that would make it something different. You know, that's that's interesting. I, I think um, I never really thought about that till till now. But um, I think that when I started working with this like really um, prominent surface where you'd have these like bulges of paint sticking out of the canvas and like these like really thick ridges, then the direction of the light source hitting it suddenly became like a really crucial mm-hmm. aspect of the painting. You know, and if you're in the space with like with a whole lot of ambient light bouncing all around, like all the relief is gone. And if that was like a, a big part of what I was doing, yeah. and then suddenly the painting feels really inadequate, and it's like, oh, man, I need my light. Like, you know, I, so I started getting like really conscientious of like not just like the amount of light but the direction the light was coming from to really play to rake across the surface and really play up the relief aspect of the painting that was like an important part of yeah what I was doing with it and so I wonder how much of thinking in terms of light in that mm. way how much of that like kind of led to wanting to explore it in that the more lit, like kind of literal like manipulation sense yeah I think what light does to paint as it's passing through it is like an entirely different set of interactions or, or an entirely different system than when light is like reflecting off it, you know, yeah. just, just like kind of this, this you know, kind of the additive way that like kind of a computer monitor or a TV colors would blend together to form a single color experience. That's that, that happens in a completely different way than like when you're mixing pigments on a palette and you put it on a painting and the light bounces off it. Like yeah. it's entirely different. And I think that that challenge of like trying to grapple with, with these two separate modes of color in, in the single painting was like really interesting to me as well. Yeah, that's actually one thing that Philip at Northern Southern said. He said he made a comment about how your work looks simple, but it's actually very complex. All the thought that goes into it, the geometry, the lines, even the science of it. You know, if someone paints a portrait and it's in a museum, it's they'll want it to be lit very evenly and nicely. And that's kind of the one dimension of it. But you're working on like multiple dimensions, which is really <laughs> pretty badass. Oh, that's cool. That's a nice thing to uh, say. Do you like the complexity of it more? I mean, is that something that just really drives you? I mean, does it need to be more complex? That's an interesting way way to think of it. Um, you know, because like, because truly like the imagery is like pretty, pretty like kind of straightforward and, and, you know, and then if the if the underlying structure and and all the different like ways it's configured become kind of complex, it's it's um you know another way that's like kind of these two opposite things. Yeah. One thing Judy said uh, a very complimentary thing. She said she just appreciated how willing you are to experiment. And how do you feel about experimenting? I mean, how do you feel about you know when you're creating things when you when you have an idea to try something new? Does it feel scary? Or are you just like hell yeah, I'm gonna I'm going to do whatever it takes. I mean, you know, like, how do you feel about experimentation or risk or fear or facing yourself? You know, like in that mini documentary you mentioned from 2009, you were talking about kind of like this confrontation between you and the 
the canvas, the empty canvas, the piece, and you're kind of like fighting back and forth. Like, you know, the piece has some dominance, and then you have some dominance, and however it ends, it might be good or bad or whatever. But I don't know. How do you think about it now? Like when you approach an idea, do you see it as a battle? Do you see it as uh, something different now? Or do you have fear? I don't know. I guess I just I want to be like in your head around like creating art, starting from an idea to something totally realized. Like, what are all the emotions you're going through? <laughs> you know, is that too much to ask? I don't know. <laughs> I think I think it's it's I think there's like a surprising amount of continuity. Like looking back at like like some of those things when I was probably like ten years ago or something. Like I, I think art could be fun. It could be like a, a good, pleasant experience. It's rarely been that for me. Like I wouldn't say that it's like something that I do because it makes me feel content or happy mm. at all. And it makes me like kind of wonder, like, I don't know what it is that like, tries. but it's, um, no, it, it definitely, it always feels like a battle. I think, I don't know that, and that's not a bad thing. I don't think that's not a negative thing at all. <laughs> One analogy that is as imperfect as it is, but it's like, I don't know, like I, 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 um, gosh, I remember exactly. It must've been like actually after graduate school. I can't remember when it was, or maybe just before, just before graduate school, probably, but I, I drove like kind of, gosh, all the way around the country, you know, just just by myself. You know, I had done that before with um, with someone, and but being by yourself, like that experience of like you know, get behind the wheel and you, you like kind of you, you're leaving the town, and suddenly like everything's like kind of opening up, and you don't have like a clear plan necessarily. You're just like kind of like you kind of general idea. Like I think I'm going to go here and here, but it's like it's like all this possibility is like open. And there's this like pretty exhilarating kind of, kind of like kind of rush. And then, you know, and you're driving, you're driving and it's like all day goes by and you're, you're like, you know, okay, well, I think I'm going to stop here for the night, a certain place, you know, and it's still, I don't know, but like, there's this like, um, like this perpetual frustration that comes part and parcel with like this, this sense of adventure and joy. And it's like, oh, you know, you're almost there, you're getting there. I think like a painting is kind of like like embarking on this long solo road trip, mm-hmm. you know, out into wherever, where you know as as you're starting, it's like really exciting. You're kind of whoop, and then there's invariably going to be a you know, it's, it's going to go through these these stages of like I don't know, is this really what I do? Like I don't know, but things like kind of clarify themselves the further you get. Hopefully, certain decisions seem to make more sense than others. Hopefully, to where finally you arrive at this resolved kind of painting but but it's always terrifying and always you know exhilarating but i think it'd be nice and i'm sure there's other artists that very in a very valid way work work this way and i wish i was one of them but it'd be nice to like kind of like feel confident the whole way through and feel like ah this have this okay this is what the painting's gonna be i just step one step two step three and it's gonna be awesome you know um, <laughs> you know i've just never i've never been able to to do that or, or kind of connect with that it's almost always a crisis it's almost always just like ah but but there's something that um you know fulfilling that comes out of that experience and something that um that maybe is part of what i need you know to have to, what? to make to make me want to make art you know yeah, i need to go reward? through that What's the yeah. reward and when do you know when it's happening? Yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, because there, there's like really, there's like a lot of like kind of these parallel tracks that you can measure like success or measure like, you know, obviously the first and most important one is like, you know, how you feel about the work when you're like in the, finish, like you have a show coming, you hang the work and you're like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. That kicks ass or like, oh man, it could have been better. Like, it could, you know, I think, um, 
I think that like maybe be the, the first kind of measure, right? Yeah, is how yeah. you're feeling about it. But even that, you can't. It's that's suspect, right? You know, because because <laughs> that could, experience. Well, yeah, and it, and it's also like you're so like literally connected to it. Like, is that more valid than someone who's seen it fresh? You know, hasn't seen it before. Like, not necessarily. You know, um, but that's um, one thing I was wondering about. It's like you're working on a painting. And you just have a feeling of which direction to take it. And then you get to potentially a moment where you're just like, wow, this is the best thing I've ever done. And you just have this feeling. It's like, where does that come? Where does that perception come from? How do you know that? You know, like, that's a great, that's a great question. (laughs) But, but what a beautiful feeling. Yeah. Like when that happens, it's like, just like on top of the world, like, oh my God, like, (laughs) you know, like that, that's like what you live for as an artist is that, is that, that feeling. But then there's also thankful, thankfully it's rare. Because uh, if it was, if it wasn't if it wasn't then like you know you might get a little too like bored bored or or, or like you know there are all sorts of bad things can happen if if you always get that feel. I don't know yeah. I don't know I'm not making much sense of that but though though it is that it is rare though yeah you know I think um you know like the the name of the show at Shoal Creek that's coming up ties into that notion of that experience you know in the studio and I think it's like an analogy like experience life life in general but like where it's like simultaneously miserable, you know, and then at the same time, like, like, like incredible. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's always been like that for me. Like I've never, I, I wouldn't say that I get that making art isn't like a positive experience. It's a, it's a, it's a grounding experience. It's <laughs> like a, but it's a, it's an experience that's like bad and good, you know, and one as much as the other. And I think that's like, I don't know, there's this compulsion to want to make it, but it's not like this. Um, it's not, it's not like a hedonism, you know, it's not, it's not like a, oh man, how privileged, although I am priv- like incredibly privileged to be able to make art, but like, but it's not like, um, like I come in here and I was, wow, this is, this is freaking awesome. I'm just like playing around all the time and like having yeah. fun, you know, and there, there are certainly elements of fun, but, but a lot of it is like, like, like this serious, like yeah. soul searching, like what, ah, <laughs> You know, and but but that that's okay. You know, yeah. I think, and also I'm sure that's not the same for every art. That's just like yeah. the universe that I've kind of crafted around my experience in the studio is probably different from everyone else's experience. But to me, it's it it is that it's like this like is it's a cliche like you know, but it is like kind of going to battle. It's like a, I feel like when I come in here, I'm like I'm going into battle, yeah. and it might not turn out good. It might be a disaster. Or it might be like incredible, and that uncertainty is like part of the magic ah. of it, you know. What about the whole idea of like pushing your edges or jumping into the abyss? Like, how, yeah, do, you, how yeah. do you have the courage to do that? Well, <laughs> you know, I yeah, mean, because you just, talked just, about that being like kind of a peak experience. It's yeah, like, it's like you got to be able to do that. Right? Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. But I, but I think like it's like. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. At least for me, I guess it's like, you know, partly giving yourself like that room. I think though, like a certain amount of it is confidence that there's a chance of when you jump off in the abyss that you're going to, that you're going to land on something yeah. like solid. And a certain amount is um, like hubris like, like or privilege, you know, that, that like, yeah, I can do this. Cause like, options in my life that have it that aren't options in a lot of people's lives mm-hmm. and and you have a job which helps yeah, what's the stability yeah. the stability part i mean would you like never choose to just make a living from your art was is that yeah, too I, thought, scary? I thought i thought that's what i was doing it was like in 2010 or so 
and it was working out just fine. There's something to be said, though, for um, for not having to make your living from your art. You know, like there's there's supposed to be like this like, firewall between like business and and art, or you know, between art as commodity and art as like you know this more pure like thing that happens in your studio. And I think if if a person's goal is to I'm going to be a full time artist and that's the way I'm going to make my living, it opens the door to like some of these like kind of outside things kind of crawling in. Doesn't mean they're going to. It doesn't mean that that has to happen, but it makes it like a little more tempting and a little more like to where that firewall kind of breaks down a little. And it's like oh like I could make these paintings. They would sell really good, or I could you know. And I think having the teaching career is a way to where I never have, like, it's not like it makes a lot of money, but, like, at least, I, at the very least, I could pay the mortgage and, like, maybe we could buy food. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, but, like, but there's, like, a basement. And so having that basement, mm-hmm. that, like, living wage kind of thing, you know, yeah. it it means your art can, like, be anything. And you never have to, like, let these other considerations play a role. Mm. Or, or not, the, not that you have to otherwise, but, like, but but that temptation isn't isn't, like, there or at least it's not as strong and it's a little easier to kind of feel like you're making your decisions based on like what you really want to do and based on like where your explorations lead you to you know what that could be an illusion to you know like you people tell themselves all sorts of things yeah Yeah. is that the kind of advice you would give to your students or well certainly to not not feel like like to be a successful artist means that has to be like your only means of income yeah definitely (laughs) you know teaching art like the, all these kids that like well they could they could have they could have chose these more pragmatic pathways to follow you know yeah. in their college experience to end up with a degree that like might have a little more like tangible benefits you know but but like an art degree means that you have to problem solve you have to like think on your feet you have to like make you have to kind of create solutions to problems like on the fly you know not just through the assignments but through all of the different like realities of being a fine art student you know like all the different things you have to confront Mm -hmm. to like kind of become successful at that i think all these things are abilities and skills that then generalize to the world that is probably more like what we find ourselves in now like what's going to be happening in the near future where it's like it's not like i don't know like like so like an author that i'm really interested in yuval harari that um you know talks a lot about this but like the stuff that that we've relied on our parents and grandparents relied on you can learn specific skills that could be really really applicable to growing up and then you know getting a good job and you know being being successful but skills aren't specific skills aren't things that are going to help when things are changing so quickly like every five years like everything's different the skills that are really important aren't these like you know specific activities but the skill of being able to adapt and being able to like be able to like adjust and be able to think creatively and and i think like in a lot of ways like maybe so this is kind of silly just could be edited out but like but maybe like an art degree is like kind of maybe more helpful than like a business degree or uh, even like an engineering degree or something where you learn, I, I don't know, like that, yeah. that's an over, that's an overgeneralization, but, but I think at least I take a little bit of like kind of hope in that, that um, there's something really tangible and good that as a teacher that you can do for these students that, that will equip them to deal with the world 
as it will be next year and the year after and the year after, which just because unknown, <laughs> the, the exponential way that things are changing right now, it, like it's totally unknown. And it's not like the things that you learn, but it's like learning how to learn. It's learning how to adapt and, and perceive what's happened, be sensitive to what's going on and knowing which way to go. Like, like these are all things that like are part of an art education that, that I think are valuable and yeah. good. But so like you said, the, the show you have coming up at Gallery Shoal Creek is called My Heaven and Hell Are the Same. And what are you saying that means? That's like these kind of opposites? Yeah, kind of, kind of. And, and um, you know, s- certainly that's like an underpinning of my work, you yeah. know, going back for however long. But, um, but I think it's also like this literal connection. Like when I'm in the studio working, it's like this this sense of like, you know, fulfillment as, as things are like coming, to, coming together and you're just like, oh, this is like happening and, and it's always like kind of unpredictable and it's always like, like you have faith in things working out or else you wouldn't do it at all, you know, and you, and you have a certain amount of confidence or else you wouldn't do it at all. But, but like you never really know. And, and, and then when it comes together, it's just this like feeling this like the most amazing thing in the world. And at the same time, that process getting there is so much like, fraught with uncertainty and like it's a pretty solipsistic kind of thing when you think about it but but um um but i think that that literal title kind of came out of this like this experience of um pain and joy and as the work kind of comes together i think maybe but but it, it definitely ties into all of these different like kind of polarity experiences of of, of life in the world and what's different about this work that's going to be in this show so a, a really big influence on the show is my residency in, yes. in, in Stufar Fjorder in Iceland. And um, it was the, um, you know, I've had friends who have been on the same residency, including Damien and Shannon, like we talked about. And um, I, I, got, I got there and I had this, all these ideas in mind, you know, but other than this, this like kind of set of ideas, I was like kind of going after it. And then all these like consistencies in my work anyway. But, but other, other than that, it was like kind of an experience of like a clean slate. And I just started, started working. And, and when I first got there, it was mostly like sound stuff I was doing just as a way to kind of enter that space. Like that building is amazing. There are so many like different rooms in there. And so many of them are like these different levels of like kind of being, being like kind of broken or being like kind of re- renovated or being like, I don't know, but there were these mysterious noises at night and often I'd be in there by myself. Like it'd be like two in the morning and I'd be in there working and there'd be none of the other artists were there and, and like all these crazy noises, like, God, I got to record some of these. And so I would just start, start like kind of recording from, from different places within the space and then started kind of like what I've, I've done in previous sound pieces that I've worked on where I'd start off with these like kind of ambient sounds and then kind of build these melodic structures and rhythmic structures on top of those things. And so the first, first while I was there, I was like kind of caught up in that, in that sort of, you know, sort of thing. And, and then started really getting serious about the painting. And, um, there was, there was paper there that I I'd brought all these flat panels to work on and that I knew I would have to like kind of deal with how am I going to present these like kind of later on and I, I kind of got these out and working on and then I discovered all this stack of this photo paper sitting there I was like man I'm just going to like kind of play around on that just like almost like kind of warm up things or something yeah 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 but I started like kind of working with that and the, the different way that the transparent layers of, of these glazed paint layers reacted with that like kind of glossy surface of that paper was was entirely different than what was happening in the wood and then I started getting like really into that mm. to where I would just have like 
20 of these things going and i and so i didn't even end up working on all the wood i left i left like half the wood panels there yeah i got so interested in the in the paper the paper stuff and paper's not i haven't worked on that since like probably i was i was in college i'm sure it was the last time like i really seriously worked on paper so it was just really refreshing and and it played on on something i've been doing these shaped pieces for for quite a while now where like kind of part of this idea of that dichotomy between the um the like kind of flat especially the more like kind of impasto paintings that like kind of really embrace like the all at once notion of the picture plane but kind of in that like kind of abstract expressionist tradition where it's like you know mm-hmm. and then with the with the glazing it's like more about like kind of this like etherealness or this like sense of depth or space and and the way that those are like kind of these opposite things i started thinking about like turning the picture plane and so a lot of the shaped pieces really start off as as rectangles viewed in, a, in in perspective and so there are all these different perspectives different angles different distances that these rectangles would be viewed from would create these different kind of trapezoid you know quadrilateral forms that um, could be a, re- a pure rectangle situated in space mm-hmm. and so that became like kind of the, this this basic structure that um, everything evolved out of and that's been happening for, for quite a while with these like you know big wood panel pieces and then with that piece at, at um, you know, the equivocation piece, um, I think all of those individual pieces are, are like basically like a like a rectangle in, in space, and it's kind of meant to be these kind of contradictory kind of experiences of, of like the picture plane versus depth. So these pieces on paper kind of evolved in, into that into that as well, where it would kind of set up as like as a, okay, what is this rectangle in space? And then I would layer another rectangle at a different angle, and then another rectangle at a different angle, and then they would just kind of evolve off of one another with the same, like, subtle, transparent glaze layers, one on top of the other, on top of the other, on top of the other. Yeah. Did you feel influenced by the place? Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. how did that work its way into um, your work? Well, it, it probably, like... Like in the more in the more immediate literal sense, it worked its way into my video work and this idea of um, transformation between these different states of matter. You know, one thing about like Iceland, and ironically, not not the there are a few towns like like tucked in on the east coast of Iceland where geothermic power wasn't where they got their power. Almost every other place in Iceland was like kind of like kind of powered by you know geothermal energy. Mm-hmm. And so you've got these like giant like kind of vents of steam like coming out you know into the into the sky and and you think about kind of the the way that that power even kind of comes from is this like kind of transformation of these different you know the states of matter of of from like solid you know liquid to gas and and I think of you know begin with this like kind of dichotomy kind of thing mm-hmm. um that that became like really in- interesting to me. And so I, st- I took all these all this footage of like kind of the steam like kind of rolling around, and then mm. and I think that was from when I first started doing those backlit paintings. Like it was like this idea of looking straight down and looking straight up, and I think that aspect was a significant thing. But but I think also just being there, that that little town, and, and it was it was incredible. Like the 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 people who run the place are amazing. Um, the other artists that were there at the same time I was. Were, were amazing it, it was a great experience god the house i was staying in like you just, i don't know it was like, kind of ridiculous like you look out the window and you could see five different waterfalls just from the front window <laughs> you were at it was like ridiculous and you could go out the back door and you could just go straight up this mountain 
and you could hike for hours and get further up and into all the, all all of this like stuff and by by stuff i mean like the ground was like covered with wild blueberries and moss and like you're walking through this and you're just like kind of like you're just like and then you just like you're like oh, i want a blueberry you just reach out and pick up a blueberry and eat it like like it was just like the landscape just envelops you Wow. And like like a blanket the landscape is like a blanket like this comforting like like compared to like some like there's other ways for landscape to be interesting like like often like like this rugged like violent way mm-hmm. you know you think of like the desert southwest and stuff like death valley is like maybe my favorite place ever but like the landscape in iceland was like this complete oh, i was this nurture like every it was like mm-hmm. it was incredible it just it just like kind of takes you in every step you become like more like kind of wrapped up into this blanket and there's waterfalls everywhere and like i don't know it was it was it was pretty crazy and and certainly there, there was a large part of that that found its way in, into the work i was doing you know more more than just like kind of like the video stuff i think i think in the painting there was like a certain amount of spontaneity and like kind of freedom you know in the, in the marks just um, from the inspiration I don't know, it's, it's hard yeah 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 it's, it's hard to kind of like kind of pin down as to like like to draw a straight line into yeah like, sure you know because because the work i, I was have been doing isn't like like specifically kind of pictorial work and it's not meant to be like too referential of any like kind of one mm-hmm. you know one kind of thing like i i'm not comfortable like kind of i don't know i want it to be a little more like kind of universal or yeah. something i don't know but um i think the sense of light and the sense of color of experiencing all those like locations like outside being out in the, in the nature there i think had a really big influence and and you know a very limited number of like people from iceland that i like interacted with is mostly people that ran the, the space but you just really get the sense of um i don't know like the, the relationship to the environment that they're in and the relationship to the landscape is is a much more personal one and much more um i don't know like a much more connected that sounds like a cliche way of saying it, but it's kind of famous for like people that kind of believe in elves and kind of believe in these like kind of mystical yeah. things that connect them with with the environment. They're, it's all wrapped up in in the place, you know, and in and in the geography and topography of that actual specific kind of kind of place. I, I think it's really interesting that connection, this literal connection between the people and the and the place. Yeah, that I think it feels like things here, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, not bad or good, but like it's much more transient. Like I don't know, like I didn't grow up here. Did you grow up in Austin? No. And I don't think that's that's too. I mean, there, there are certainly places in America where people like stay. I don't know, but there's like this this amount of like kind of disconnectedness to the environment that you're living in. Not that it's not important, but it feels like a separate thing. Where there, it feels like it's like the same thing. Mm. Maybe I don't Interesting. know. Let your experience, right? Yes, yes, yes. So one thing that I saw just the other day is your equivocation piece at Northern Southern and. If someone is hearing this interview before October 14th, I would highly recommend going to see it because I think it's just amazing. Uh, Their normal hours on Saturday are 3 to 6.30, but there's also an artist talk. Mm -hmm. 4.30 on Saturday the 13th. On the 13th. So if you're hearing this and you have time to go see it, I would really highly recommend that. And it, but if you miss that, then you can still catch the exhibit at Gallery Shoal Creek, which opens on October 20th, and that's up until November 18th. And there's a reception on Saturday, October 20th from 5 to 8. That's what's coming up in the near future. Is there anything Should else a little further out or anything you're excited about or any kind of Man. New, new direction you're being inspired towards? Um, I am super excited to hang out with my family and 
spend time with my kids and my wife. Like yeah. it's been since um since before the residency in the summer it's just been like nonstop like craziness between that and then these two shows that are like kind of back to back shows. Yeah, yeah. Um and so uh yeah, I'm going to I'm going to enjoy some time hanging out with them. Nice. That's that's what it's all about, right? That's- I think ultimately, like, there's a reason for doing any of the stuff. Like, it kind of becomes about these things that are like most important in your life. And yeah, I don't know. Like, having kids is like, I don't know. It helps when you have when you have a partner to go through it that um, is amazing as mine. But um, but the um, yeah, that's incredibly inspiring to work too. I think mm-hmm. so. Well, thanks, Sean. Thanks for your time. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Yeah, have a, have a wonderful um, have wonderful time editing all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be quite a feat. <laughs> I will. Cool. All right. Well, thanks. Cool. Thanks for listening. One more thing before you go: if this episode or any other I've produced have helped you or added value to your life, please support the podcast so it can continue and grow. Just go to austinarttalk.com forward slash support. There you can find a link to my Patreon page, and there is also a PayPal option and an Amazon affiliate link. I couldn't keep doing this without your help. All the best to you and take care. Take care.